0: Hello and welcome back to um, the 150 Real Movie Podcast with your host Cripple2. It's nice to be back, um, episode 2. Never thought I'd make it, I'm only, j- I'm only joking, but if you've noticed you've got a really nice intro, so thank you Cripple1 for that. Um, and yeah, um, sorry for the break, but in part with the bro you know break, we ha- and me missing last week because of um, medical concerns I think. Or was that my excuse? I don't know. Anyway, let's... Let's let's be moving on. Um, in today's episode, what what you can expect is, uh, first of all, a Toy Story 4 review, then your top 10 movie news feed, then your box office preview and review, then the topics of discussion today will be the Spider-Man preview of next week and how the reviews are immensely positive. Generating good buzz going into Memorial Day weekend next week. Um, we will also be discussing the re-release of Endgame, and Marvel obviously pushing for um, Endgame to beat Avatar's record. Um, and we, and our final topic, will just be clearing up our daily Star Wars section with the comments that Daisy Ridley made, with with her possible future within the Star Wars franchise um but first of all i i will like to say that if you're not if you're not already following Bro you know on all social medias um there should be a social media slide um popping up right now courtesy of cripple was editing see um but anyway if you don't know our instagram bra bro, bro bro you know podcast and blog underscore or something like that I'm not good on social media. Anyway, um... Tw- Twitter's bro underscore you underscore no. And... Yeah, follow, follow us on our, on our Instagram and Twitter. Also, um... Make sure to follow... To, to go on our website, which is... Which... Just type in www.broyouknow.net um, c- um... Currently, um... We've... We've put a few articles up. Um... Including a few... N- um, daily news feed, art uh, blog blog post, but because of um, licensing w- with Wix, we've we've struggled, and w- we're currently um trying to um to sorting out a payment plan. Anyway, I th- I think we'll mention that on the next episode of Cripple Talk. Cripple Talk is also also a new show, so go check out um the last Braino episode that went up um to um, find out more about our new shows. So, realistically, let's get, get into it. One, 150 Real Episode 2, where to start? Toy Story 4. Um, basically, I saw Toy Story 4 last week, um, and I've got to say, what a film. And I, I've, we, I've got to say that potentially, depending on how you see incre- The Incredibles, you've got to consider, the, you've got to consider Toy Story, as, first of all, the, the, um, greatest, saga, of films, created by Pixar, I think there's no more contention, I think, all of them have a, have a validated, um, Rotten Tomatoes score, which is only excellent, nearly 100, nearly 97 to 100% on all of them, um, and I, I genuinely think that um that the saga is very, very strong. Um and yes so what about Toy Story 4? Um, what I've gotta say is that for me, um, I personally think that as a film it is the best overall film. However, I've gotta say if you're considering the storyline wise Around the franchise I think Toy Story 3 for a lot of people and how they have an emotional connection to that film would call the greatest Toy Story film out of the four but I would argue that purely on a filmmaking basis Toy Story 4 and on the animation basis as well Toy Story 4 is a great great film Um, first of all uh, so, let's go more, more in depth. Toy Story 4 f- follows, um... Follows, basically, the toys. Um, we following the girl. Can't remember her name. So, so see, I'm, I'm a film hypocrite. Anyway, um, follow, follows the, gir- the girl and how... Um, she is about to start kindergarten and how woody feels protective of her as, as he felt protective of Andy almost signifying a passing of the torch and really showing that the main his that his main storyline goal is to protect um this chi- this child and it's very symbolic of the whole notion of woody and how he has grown from from being a favourite toy and being vain in the first two films to growing into that leader leader and going to be that beloved figure and him having to cope with a new child, but also at the same time see see the joy that bring that child um brings and genuinely I think. I think, first of all, Tom Hanks does a brilliant job of bo- voicing o- o- over Woody. Uh, you can't tell the difference, which is just Tom Hanks' brilliance. Uh, Buzz Lightyear, yet again, um, brilliant character. He's definitely more of a side character in this film, rather than in previous iterations where you could call him the co-main character, or, or the second main character. I would definitely say he he's a, he's a much more of a secondary character than, than he is a main player. So so going more into the story, and I will say spoiler warning. Um, yeah. So you've got you've got um you've got the girl and their family. The the she starts kindergarten. She is worried. Woody sneaks. With with her and basically just make sure she's all right. It's kind of a passing of the torch moment. Yeah, as I said earlier. But first of all, we've got to mention that, um, like they showed at CinemaCon, the the opening scene of the film was explaining how Bo Peep kind of was taken away from from Andy and 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 Andy's family and how. That was emotional trauma for for um, Woody and and how it he really showed his loyalty and I think one of the main themes of this film is that Woody has to balance either his loyalty to the kid or his loyalty to Bo Peep, which is absolutely heart wrenching at times. Um, anyway, um, so the opening scene, as we saw at CinemaCon, which I think Pixar showed in in their presentation, uh, Purge on Campier Robert Burnett, um was a very good scene, and I have to agree. Um, very emotional scene, and the way that Bo Peep just figures out, or just just implies that that there's w- there's one more place for a lost toy in this box. Ah, oh, that's heart-wrenching. I... And... From a standpoint of... From... This, um From a movie standpoint... I think you've just got to appreciate these Pixar movies in general. Because, yes, it's a kid's film. But you could... There's almost two storylines that play out. A more... Advanced storyline hitting on... More emotional... Tro... Um, tropes. And the emotional peaks and then there's one basic storyline that everyone can understand but there are several connotations to that storyline that that makes these films so so fun so heart-wrenching so fun-filled and so deep really that's the word i was looking for anyway um so apart from so moving on from the opening scene You have Andy, um, accompanying the girl to, um, to kindergarten. The the girl gets nervous, and basically she creates this, um, toy, or technically a plastic fork with pipe cleaners called Forky, which we saw in the promotional material, and I've got to say, Forky is probably one of the greatest uh, strengths of this film, and the dynamic between him and Woody all throughout the film is really, 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 um... Like, it's not on the level of the dynamics that, um, Woody and Buzz had in, in let's say, Toy Story 2, but it's it's very fun feel funny, and about how Forky thinks he's trash and how Forky goes on this this very dramatic but very quick character arc of I've got to accept I'm a toy which really points the finger to as in human and social development which is a very um strong social aspect that that, that this film comes from and y- anyway um, I think I've droned I've on about the opening scene that um, much, uh, they go on this trip. Forky and Woody get lost to the villain, who <sighs> I've got to say is a brilliant villain, very multi-layered. Um, she basically has lost her voice box, uh, and basically is trying to kidnap Woody into 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 stealing his voice box. So it's and about how. He wants to use the voice box to become a fully functioned toy, and it's that want for lust and that want for greed, which is always ge- gives us some more depth, and it's general apprecii- appreciation and the lesson about loving yourself and not diminishing yourself to stuff you don't have. I know this is turning very philo- philosophical, but still. That's why I love film. So min- that's why I love film so much, and that's what the beauty of 150 minutes can do, because the whole cinematic experience can make you think outside the box and f- and think about those more que- those questions that have you thinking more more and more. Um, anyway, so Woody and Woody, so Woody and the gang. No, Woody meets Bo Peep again and. They go throughout this journey to find Forky because, uh, as Bait the villain, tries to k- kidnap Forky, so Woody has to come back. Um, then they meet guys like um, the the Duck and Bear, played by Keegan, Michael Peel, uh, Eki, Ke- and um, Pit the Peel, and Michael K. I think the K the K and, P- and Peel guys. Anyway some of the one liners that them two came out with was so funny and their dynamic for, from their two-man show really translates over to um, how how funny these two are and about how they they, they ju- they're just wanted and they're just a very funny one-two combo and and as I said the, the line the liners that they come out with are absolutely brilliant! They also meet um, Duke Kaboom, um, voiced by the great Keanu Reeves, who's been on such a hot streak recently. Um, anyway, he's brilliant. The whole Canadian thing, Canadian proud. Um, that is really funny at at points, <sighs> but I think I think this also goes to the point about. The message of... This film tries to to convey a feeling of... If you're lost, you need to find your way home. But... And I think... that is just very heartwarming. Because all these toys had previous owners. Or in the case of the villain, never had because of the voice box. But they, they've never had owners. So they strive to be wanted. And it's very, again, retrospective to how as humans... We want need and we want love. We want to be wanted. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But and I think and I think and I think when it comes together, this is a really good film. And I think as a whole storyline and character arcs, I think this film is the best. Quote unquote film like from a filmmaking standpoint, this is the best because I wouldn't say it has the best narrative, but it has the best. Journey from plot point a to plot point b, which I can only praise um praise um praise the director for I cannot remember his name i should, I, sh- I should have got up my notes, but you know I'm prepared the movie hypocrite over here one fifty real podcast we now we're here sorry I will never do that again that that is cringe um yes yeah, so I think. In general, to sum up, also I've got to talk about the ending. Um, There was very much a sensational buzz going around um, about how the ending would be heart-wrenching and how the ending would be satisfying. Tom Hanks went on about it. Um, For me, I've got to say, first viewing of it, I didn't really feel it, but... No, I, f- I felt it, but to me, at the start, it felt underwhelming. Now, what I will say is that once I had time to think about the film, which is, um, like, two or three hours later, I've got to say that, that thinking about it again from a point of me digesting the whole film and how thinking about the whole plot point and character arc, I, I think that is definitely one one of the best endings with woody saying bye to the gang and him finally overcoming the fear of i don't always have to be there for the child i i have looked over the child and the child will be all right and it's it's about now me exploring who i am and being who i want to be and being with both people and accepting that that you don't have to be with, with someone you have to be, you don't have to be someone's toy but that doesn't equally mean you're lost. So it's a very, it's a very, very um, like layered meaning, which I think, from either a second viewing standpoint, or or you think about it, about it philosoph- phil- philosophically, I think is a more heart-wrenching and definitely a more a more sad point. But I think as a as the last Toy Story film. And knowing that with Disney Plus, there will be extra content. Um, there will be probably a series on the on Toy Story. I think they've confirmed one. I'm not too sure, but I think from a cinematic standpoint, I think th- this was a brilliant way to end off the saga because you can you because I I've got to say that from Toy Story three, you could say that Andy's narrative was done. Like, because Andy, from Toy Story 1 to Toy Story 3, it was about how Andy grew up and how Woody was the guardian angel to Andy growing up. But you could really say that Toy Story 4, from a point of Woody coming back to Bo Peep and the whole Woody and Forky dynamic and Forky accepting that he's a toy, I think you could really argue that this was the narrative... To end the Toys storyline. And to end it, end it. Ending it on a satisfying standpoint. Which I can only agree with. Um, so. What can I say. I think Toy Story f- Toy Story 4. I think the way you can put it. Um, I th- And I, as I said. I think. It's. Not. The greatest film ever made. I think it has contention to be the greatest film in terms of Pixar, but I think the greatest Toy Story film will always be Toy Story 3 because of the emotional connection we've had with that film and and we had with Andy's journey. But I've got to say that, realistically, this film is beautifully done, and narrative-wise, it's multi-layered, as you expect of a Pixar film. Everything hits home. It's really funny. I think the funniest Toy Story film out of all, ...all of them... ...which can only be a good thing... Um ...Forky... ...the highlight of the film... ...for me... ...for me and... ...and... K-, ...K and, um, and Peel, ...that stuff was funny... ...Duke boom, ...and... ...and yeah... ...it was a very... ...it was a film that... ...I appreciate because it... ...like... ...because what I love about film... ...is that after those 150 minutes... ...and I'm talking about 150 minute ...within the whole experience... Of you sitting down watching the trailers, and uh, and, to, and for you to leave him, because the average film is about one hundred and twenty minutes. You but now but now they're pushing us for one hundred and fifty, um, in total length. But still, we'll see. Um. Anyway, that's my that's my quick tiny rant on film length. Anyway, um, the whole, the whole cinematic experience made made me feel like a child again, and this is. This is the great thing about Pixar and about how Pixar uses those narratives for a deeper meaning and when you come of age you really appreciate these films more. So that so that's what I've got to say on Toy Story. If I had any critiques of it, I would say that um some are, some of the toys toys narratives. So um like I know there were facts with the voice actor of Mr. Potato Head that he died, so they couldn't get um, enough um, voice act, acting in there from previous films, but I, de- I definitely think, like, Jesse and... I think that their storylines weren't touched upon, and I've got to say say that Forky storyline, I would have liked it extended a bit more, but then again, that... that that scene at the end was very, very, very nice. It just gave Forky an extra layer, and I think they're gonna make, I think all signs hint to a Forky show on on Disney Plus, as, as I mentioned earlier. And yeah, I've, and I, I would say that this film has no glaring weakness. I j- got so no glaring weakness. Pers- from a personal standpoint, I would have liked some storylines to be touched upon more but I think it's a great complex narrative and it's a great film Um, so I would definitely recommend that you go see Toy Story now um... moving on um... to our top ten movie news feed let me just get my notes up um... see, um, great interplaying music by the Great Cripple too. I know I'm tooting my own horn. Where, Where is it? Here it is! So... Your Top 10 Movie News Feed for this week. Um, From... From Comicbook.com, you have, um, Kevin. You have Kevin Smith... Te- and this, this is what we're going to come on to. The teasing that the mid the, the mid credit scene for for Spider-Man changes everything in the MCU, and this is what we've been hinted at that the two post credit scenes in Spider-Man reveal something big. I personally think that you, I think it has to do with um the future of the MCU, um yeah, and it has something to do with Phase Four probably hinting about the general direction and and potentially pointing out the villain or potentially um the cosmic the cosmic realities with how nick fury has said that to open another portal although Mysterio might be playing an illusion as he has done in the comics we don't know so we're gonna wait for that for spider-man so that is your first bit of news on um on um, Spider-Man, and that is what Kevin Smith thinks, um, just the general geek himself, um, I'm a very big fan of his, and hopefully um, I can get to his levels one day, um, so that's from comicbook.com, reliable source, anyway I think they interviewed him himself, and, but but he reviewed it for comicbook.com, I don't know why I'm rambling. Um, also from, um, comicbook.com, um, you have, um, Sailor Moon Films announced for 2022. Um, I'm not a big anime fan myself, but I do know people like my friends who are big fans of Sailor Moon. Also coming from comicbook.com, Reliable Source. Um, news reporter is Megan Peters. And I think... And I think knowing the fan base that say, Sailor, Sailor Moon has, this can only be a hit, which is, can only be a good thing. Um, moving on, you have you have David Batista's comments about the Fast and Furious movies, about about hinting about hinting at how they're, that they're not good film quality. And how, and he kind of mocked that John Cena's gonna be involved, and how that that whole rock scenario comes from. It's a very complicated situation, and but I've got to say that yes, the Fast and Furious movies may not be of the greatest quality, but you you've got to say that they have been successful at the box office. And you've just got to look at... you now, We've now just got to look forward to Hobbs and Shaw, which the pictures did come out for Hobbs and Shaw, and they look fantastic. Look, Idris Elba, Jason Statham, Dwayne Johnson, they, they just look fantastic. I, and I, I can't wait to see this film. And I think that film has potential to be a $1 billion film. Yes, I've said it, you've heard me right. I do think that, without the rest of the cast... I, I do think that this could be a one billion dollar film and I, I think the main reason for that is um Dwayne Johnson because Dwayne Johnson is a proven movie star that can draw in the box office. you're gonna see it with not only um Hobbs and Shaw, you're gonna see it with Jumanji 2, and you're gonna see it with Jungle Cruise that that, that comes out early twenty twenty. Um Disney produced film by the way. So um and also this whole thing about Disney potentially not ha- not having a a film not not having a 1 billion dollar film coming in in 2020 you've got jungle cruise which i think with Dwayne Johnson can make, can make round about a billion you've got mulan who which is the big hope for D- disney making that 1 1 billion dollars within within that chinese market so so I, I I definitely think that that Dave Batista's comments are really retrospective of their their financial successes. Now ne- the final thing I'll say on that is, Dwayne John Dway- with Dwayne Johnson now moving away from Fast and Furious and potentially Hobbs and Shaw being or, or pretty much confirming that Hobbs and Shaw will be his last time with it. With it within, within the Fast and Furious, unless you can um, reconcile with what with Vin Diesel, I definitely think that John Cena is not that much of a pulling power, especially considering how his other films like Bumblebee, although Bumblebee did decently financially, he wasn't the main part of that film. It was mainly Hayley Steinfeld. Um. Then, then you're also looking at cock blockers, which, from a performance standpoint, he was weak. But that promotion, uh, that I just think John Cena isn't as big of a draw as, let's say, a John Cena. Um, yeah. M- so that, so that's the whole. Si- that's my whole opinion on the Dave Batista situation. Um, you have. You have also the um, the RoboCop director um, providing an update on on RoboCop, and him basically saying that, or or just providing an update that it is still in production, and they are still hoping to to hit that that two thousand twenty one release date. Um, anyway, I think, I think, I think the story is from comicbookresources.com, so that is story number three, um, um, then again, for story number four, um, you, you have Idris Alba talking about how he's disheartened around the Black James Bond stereotype and gimmick, and how that, um, and how there's all, all this stigma around it, which I definitely think is a damn shame. <sighs> which I, I'm just disappointed because I don't know why people have got to have this definition of such a role. Like, as long as it's directed by a good, good director and it's got a good story and it's got a good lead actor, I do not care. Who plays the next James Bond? Um, you've got um, Hamish Patel from the New York Times um, in, in an interview saying that ye- yesterday yesterday is, is his big break and how he's loved the film and how I think it's... I think this whole concept about yesterday, like because there was this whole controversy about... With the whole concept about the Beatles not existing, and but then again, with with how um, Danny Boyle has gone about asking asking the relatives of the, of the late uh, Beatles members, I think that was just very respectful. And I think going along with that music-inspired film that we've seen with Rocketman... we've seen we've we've seen with Rocketman... Man. Um, And we've seen with the biopic for... What's his name? I'm forgetting. Uh, So you had Rocketman and you had... um, What's the one that Rami Malek won the Oscar for? Uh, Freddie Mercury. uh, And the whole Queen biopic. And I I think that... I think the 2018-2019 cinema season... Can just be summed up by the rise of musical film. By yesterday, you've you've had you've had Rocket Man and you've had Bohemian Rhapsody. That's it. See, I'm not that dumb. Um. Yeah. So. Then, then you have more news on, on how, um, on the MCU, um, most notably, you, 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 you have, um, I want to leave the Spider-Man stuff to, to, to being the main topic, but then, but then again, you have... The box office predictions going slightly down because you, how? It, then again, it's Memorial Day weekend, so so it's a great opportunity to go to cinema. But then again, it might drop. But then again, there is so much hype building towards Spider-Man, and so much critical praise that I can't see how it, it would fail. Um. If you re- if you re- if you really want heroic Hollywood, have an interview with uh, the Russo brothers explaining um, explaining um, what Captain America did back back when he was back in the forties with Peggy. Personally, for me, I think it was rather simple. I have my own impre- interpretation of that, and the directors have their own interpretation. And I, and I think mo- most of them with film and. Mm, it's whatever he got to to shape him as a man so that he came back because he really followed after what Tony said and I think it was a major point of him just succeeding and him being influenced by what Tony had got and him thinking about himself before before the world and I know that that's a bit selfish but I think that's what he needed and I think for me I think that's, that's what i've interpreted his trip back to the forties was in other news aladdin um in also box office news aladdin has just passed the independent to become uh, will, s- will smith's highest grossing film um in in other news um we s- in other news we saw it at um at a cinema con When Disney, Disney, um, no Fox under Disney had their presentation, and they named Alien, they named Predator, and they named um, what do you call it? And Deadpool was their independent film properties that they will be working at Fox Studios, which which is only a good thing for Deadpool. It was um, it was just a matter of having him in his own universe. Uh, but, but the fact that people were surprised that Disney would take on such a property as Alien, but apparently, for but apparently, uh, from sources, are now saying the, 23rd, the, the 20th Century Fox under Disney are now, are, are now saying that, that Alien and Alien Nation, sorry, Alien Nation, I don't know why I was confusing. Yeah, Alien Nation is, is now, um. The science... Yeah, the science... Sorry, I got both Alien and Alienation. Basically, when Alienation was presented at the um, Fox panel uh, as one of the independent films under 20, 20th century Fox. Um, but apparently, that science fiction film, um, the Buddy Cop remake, has been uh, shelved. Sorry, I so, sorry, don't know why I was confusing it with um, with uh, the original Alien films. I th- so, please, don't get my word twisted, Alien will still be made under Disney, it's just Alien Nation, the Body cop remakes of 1988, will not, and has been shelved at 20, 20th Century Fox, because I, th- I think, from my personal opinion, I think 23rd, 20th Century Fox had too many properties going, and I think Disney wanted to cut back, because I, th- I think that would have been too much of a financial investment and I don't and I think Disney just wants to maximize the amount of profits they can make off their purchase of Fox which I I definitely think they're, they're going to do especially with how they've positioned the Avatar trilogy from James Cameron to to be one of their main earners going forward um and I think And I think we will leave it with, um, sources from Cinema Blend um, saying, um, that, that Escape Plan 2, um, with Schwarzenegger and Stallone and an appearance of Dave, uh, of Dave Bautista, um, he slams the film in an interview, saying it's the worst produced film he's ever been in, which does bode well for the film and I and either the film goes straight to streaming service which could be a pickup for a Hulu or a Netflix although I don't think Netflix wants to be associated with that type of property after the failures of um, the Cloverfield franchise but realistically um, it's either going to streaming or the um, film is going to be is going to be canned itself see I'm a, I made a Ken reference uh, so I think that's it I think we went over six stories and um, six news articles sorry rather than ten uh, uh, n- no, no 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 sorry um my n- my notes confusing me um you also have um the whole buzz around the Joker film that I just wanted to talk about. Um, after, after DC and DC um, pulled out of um, San Diego Comic Con, which is a rare move because San Diego Comic Con is all superheroes and Drake, um, and apart from Marvel, I think the Joker film is potentially the most anticipated non-Marvel property. Although you had Shazam and Aquaman, I don't, I don't want to debate you on that. But still, um. What do you call it? This whole film with the Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix and stuff, and about how the film has now actually been confirmed to be rated R, because there were rumours that the film wasn't going to be rated R because no one from the studio had said so, which I think is just a miscommunication. But but now realistically, that that there have apparently there's been a test screening and. Can I just say, my opinion on test screenings are rather fishy because some test screenings, for example, Justice League, they had a test screening where it, they had a standing ovation and that clearly didn't translate to to um, g- general fan opinion. So, I think that if this goes off to, of test screening and the general assumption of the joke film being an Oscar contender or being an award contender is based off test screenings, then I become very doubtful. But if this, this is in, from internal trusted buzz, like, fr- fr- from, um, let's say, a comicbook.com, then you've really got to, um, to qu- r- you've really got to start the hype about this film, and it's all when, even when Scorsese was attached to the property, and how Scorsese, the fact that Scorsese was was linked to the script in the first place, had people really not hyped, They're excited at the prospect that a director at the level of a Scorsese could be interested in, in doing a comic book film, and I think... And I think this just go this boded well to to what the script was and I think when Todd Phillips took over and once we saw the first trailer I think definitely the hype of this being being an award contender really died down but now seeing that Word is is now back out whether it's test screening or whether it's reliable sources um saying that it's an award contender Can only be a good thing and only makes me more excited and is probably my most anticipated film of 2019 I've got to say it's in my top three but I am looking forward to once upon a time in Hollywood I've I've got to say like with the Joker film I I kind of compare it to the whole idea of Tarantino doing the Star Trek film because both Tarantino and Scorsese were attached to respective properties now it looks like Scorsese um, Tarantino is going to write his Star Trek film whether he directs it or not is a different question but the fact is going back to Scorsese the Scorsese was is, is a top two director in my opinion at least with um Sir Spielberg and how Scorsese to be linked with a comic book property and that whole let's say um let's say script um it w- i think it was j- it was a a, def- a definite real positive sign for the franchise which which can only only be a good thing um and yeah it can only be a, it can only 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 be a good thing and, and I I know I rave on about Scorsese, but I thought that silence, although not critical... No, it was critically appreciated, but for it not to be financially... Uh, not to be financially backed, and the film not making even, and for the film to get, go under the radar, I thought silence was a heck of a film, and I think one of the best Adam Driver performances, along with, let's say, a Black Klansman. But... I think Scorsese is so like because it's this year. has been the rise of Christopher Nolan and has been the year of Tarantino, or could be the year of Tarantino, depending on how Once Upon a Hollywood is. But realistically, I think Scorsese has gone under the radar, and I am definitely looking forward to his next property. So I, th- I think instead of top ten, we will go the top seven. M um, newsfeed, and I think that'll be the. Um, yeah, I think we'll go top seven. Sorry, actually, actually, um, top eight. See, I'm just adding on right now. Um, we 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 now know that Bradley Cooper is now working on a new on a new film um, called uh, based upon Cleopatra. Or no, we know that the film is called Cleop- Cleopatra. Whether that is in, whether what that reference is to, I don't really know much about the property, but I do know that he was writing it, and there was hype coming out of it because of his success with The Star Is Born, but now the Jennifer Lawrence is attached to the property, um, being the, the main star, I guess, and Bradley Beal, uh, Bradley, um, not Bradley Beal, that, that's, that's the NBA player for the Washington Wizards, um, Bradley Cooper writing it, and most expectedly, directing it, and now that um, Lady Gaga and Jennifer Lawrence, no, um, that Lady Gaga and Jennifer Lawrence are in talks to be that that co-starring lead to to Bradley Cooper. That can only be a good thing. because Jennifer Lawrence, I think I think she she had a right nightmare with with the Red Sparrow film, but I definitely think that that film Joy really personified her as one of the best actresses in the business and i think lady gaga although a newcomer i think that performance in a star is born is potentially better than bradley cooper's which i think i i think lady gaga for for a newcomer is phenomenal and I, and I and i hope them to keep working together because they have a good chemistry so but the fact that they're, they're both in talks to get the role is really, really promising for the feature. Um. Um. So, I think that's your top seven um, movie news feed done. i was sorry, I said top ten. I wasn't prepared. I um half my notes are gone. My three other stories I was going to comment on. I might put them in the blog post beneath in a three movie news feed next week, I don't know, but still, anyway, moving on to um, the box office preview and review, um, um, let me just get it up, um, while I get that can I just say that if you're not following us on Stardust, then what are you doing with your lives, Um, yes, I I have said that correctly. If you don't know what Stardust is, it is basically, um, um, so, it is basically the main social hub for, um, for everything movie related. And I haven't put my, um, review up for, um, Toy Story 4, but you can find my Rocket Man review, which I did in three parts. I think we, we we've got three reactions. Let me get box office mojo up. Any any anyway, if box office mojo do, doesn't work, I can just go to um our topics and then we can come back to the box office preview and predictions. See, you've got the inner workings of. Um, everything here at bright, you know. Um. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Um. Actually, we will, we will get, um, your your box office, um, review. Review. Um, you have Annabelle Annabelle comes home the new horror film um, debuting with 27 million which which can only which which can only be a good thing and and or which can only be a good thing Um, considering this is a Sunday and I am talking about um, when Monday's full stats come out so this is just on an estimate, but we do think that Annabelle will come in at 27 million. Um, yesterday, um, the um, Beatles, the Beatles um, film, um, will come in at 14 million, which isn't too bad. But we re- realistically, you're looking at um, um, you're looking at 40 million opening. I think. Yesterday is a film that can build upon hype, and I think the trailers have been elusive because a few of the tra- trailers have been good, but I think a few other trailers have been very jarring. And, spe- and I don't want, and I don't want to take anywhere anywhere from Kate McKinnon because she's brilliant. She's brilliant within comedy, but for me, for me, my main worry with Yesterday, which a Yesterday review will be up next week because I will see the film. Hopefully ar- around next week. Um, I I definitely think my main worry going into that going into that is that Mac- McKinnon can't bring it dramatically, which is my only worry about the film. But <sighs> Hamish Patel looks really good, and Lily James, Lily James is one of the most underrated actresses within our business right now. Um. So I, so you you've got Annabelle with 27 million, which is a decent open, which would be a decent opening. Bit so, anyway, you're looking at anywhere between 27 million and 20, 27 to um 28, 20 no 27 to 31, sorry, and you've got yesterday anywhere between 14 million and 17 million, and um. And you've got Toy Story 4 being solid at number one again. Only taking in... Something like, something like a 32%... 32, 32... 38%... 40% drop. Don't quote me on that, actually. But for it to, to just go down to 58 million in the second week... Can only be a good thing. I, I don't... I haven't got the actual... Um... Percentage... I think it's anywhere between high thirties and low forties, which can only be a good thing because I think it opened at seventeen million. I can't, don't quote me on that because I haven't been keeping up with the box office. So then again, here movie hypocrite, you know. But still, um, you've got um, you've got um, Toy Story 4. Stiff. So, like, averaging out to 60 million, which isn't that bad. Like, it's actually very solid, considering how Spider-Man next week is going to kill it. As in, not kill it. It's going to be the number one because Memorial Day weekend. Although, Although, as as I mentioned earlier, the projections aren't looking that good. Um, no, no, aren't looking as brilliant as they were projected, let's say, two or three days ago, but still, it's Marvel, it's Memorial Day weekend, I still think that Spider-Man can make anywhere between 120 and and 180 on its opening weekend. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, yeah. Nowhere near endgame making 305 million on its opening weekend. That is still scary to me, how how a film can make 300, 300 million on its opening weekend. Um, yeah. Um, and an update from China, um, they're looking at 71 million in the Chinese market, which, considering it's not a major Avengers film and considering it's the back off end game, 71 million in China and the if the projection in China is looking to be 71 million I for opening weekend least, I think that can be looked as an average average rather than a positive or a loss anyway um, so for your bo- my box office preview that was my box office review for the Saturday and Sunday and most likely coming into the Monday but you've got you've got still Toy Story 4 winning the weekend you've got an- Annabelle coming second, yesterday and third, I think that's going to be your top three for this week, um, then you've got, then, then you, then you, then you're looking at Spider-Man dominating next week, and I, uh, so, and as I, so basically, basically my box office preview for next week is that Spider-Man makes anywhere between 120 to 160, uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it makes more than that, but I definitely think 150 to 180 is w- is where Marvel trying to aim at for opening weekend, which can only be a good thing. I th- I think you're looking at around 30 million for Toy Story 4, then you're looking at potentially tw- 18 to 22 million for Annabelle, and you're looking at um. You're, 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 you're either looking at anywhere between 12 to 25 million for yesterday. But that's my box office prediction for next week. Um, So, as I've mentioned, we are now going into the topic section of the 150 Real Podcast. Um, basically, the three topics today are... Let me get them up. Um... Um, basically, um, the Spider-Man positive reviews, um, I've alluded to them earlier with Kevin Smith, saying how, how the credits, all the post credit scenes and mid credit scenes really, really, um, shape your opinion about Face War going forward, which can only be a good thing. Currently, it's holding, in the 90s on Rotten Tomatoes, which can only be a good thing, It's having a brilliant word of mouth and reviews can only be doing great and you and from what i'm hearing from what John is saying what the the guys at Collider are saying the screen junkies you're looking at potentially a film that could be better than, that could be better than the first um that could be better than Spider-Man but um, that can be that, that they'll be better than Spider-Man Homecoming, sorry I got them too confused, so they're, they're saying that Spider-Man Far From Home could financially, um, and just as an, as an overall movie, although all, all movie opinion is subjective, you've got to remember that, so so always go into a film with just the same expectation, and br- and let let your expectation dictate what you think of the film. That's the best way to palette a film, in my opinion. And yeah, um, but from all all the word of mouth, everything seems to be going great for this mole, uh, for Spider-Man: Far From Home. And this can only be a good thing because I, I honestly am excited for this film. I did want to go opening night on the Thursday, but we will see. Um I've, I've, hopefully, and um, there, there are still tickets for my opening night in, in my local cinema, Empire World, what's up, boy, hopefully you've still got, you've still got your disabled places, to be, to be fair, World is amazing with disabled places, to be, to be honest, they've treated me right, anyway, um if you want me to talk about my cinematic experiences within the actual cinema, Um, comment down below, and we can just talk, but we can, we can just do a dedicated mini 150 real episode to, um, my whole cinematic experiences. Now, 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 now. Um, topic number two. You've got, um, the Avengers Endgame re-release. Yes, I said re-release, I don't know if that's a word, I think that's a word. It's got a hyphen in it, so... I can't remember what the English term is. I'm studying English next year, so... I'm basically fucked. I'm, like, I'm only joking, I'm only joking, I'm only joking. We're keeping this PG. Um, so, Aven- Avengers re-releasing with a message from Kevin Fraggy, A, a post credit scene. Don't don't know if that is anything for Phase 4. Um, a behind-the-scenes thing. And I think this... this I think this is, this is aimed at people like me, and you probably, because if, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a cinema geek like I am. Or if you're not, then we will convert you, welcome, to the cult of a 150 real. I'm only joking, yes again. Uh, but, I think it's, it's pushed towards the hardcore fans that, Wanting to see, or, or just the whole film fans that want to see behind the scenes and whatever. I think it's hint, it's driven towards a certain type of fan, and hopefully they're hoping that those fans come out in large numbers, just to bump them over the edge over Avatar, although I, because then again I think Marvel are overplaying the influence on how the the geek audience and I don't want to offend the geek audience I I'm one myself but are there really that many of us that want to go and see the behind the scenes like because realistically I've seen Endgame four times in cinemas and um do am I really want to go see it again just for a behind the scenes when I know I can probably get a special digital version, you'll probably have that, all that from my home, I don't know, if, if that comes on my Cineworld card, then I will be extremely happy, but, for now, I, th- I think, my general view on it is, it's trying to, push, push and bump, Endgame over Avatar, and I think, Marvel, it's not being called desperate, it's, the, it's them trying to do everything they can, which, I can only commend them for, but realistically, is there an audience for? Is there a specific audience for a re-release? That I do not know, but we will see. Um, And then the last comments are um, about Daisy Ridley confirming and isolating herself from from the future Star Wars trilogy, um, the Benioff and Weiss trilogy, the Game of Thrones guys, and. Furthermore hinting that that not only two things that this will probably be Elseworld, it'll probably, hopefully fingers crossed it is Star Wars the Old Republic stuff because I'd be dying for that and Kathleen Kennedy's hinted at that. Pablo Hidalgo's hinted at that. So we've got all the signs going forward for for the for the old republic. But we will see. And I, and I, and I and I think that this is also a sign of potential thing that I mean the that Star Wars, um, the Star Wars ten, eleven, twelve, um, is probably a long way away. I'm not, and I'm saying go. I I I I'd be saying go revisit, um. The idea of a Star Wars trilogy, of a of a of a new main trilogy, of a Star Wars ten, eleven, twelve, maybe in two thousand and thirty onwards. Because I do I do I do think that Disney right now they've they've got they've got ex they've got Disney Plus. You're already getting the Mandalorian. You're already get, get getting this um. Uh, what's Diego Luna's character called from Rogue One, er, Cassian Andor, you're already getting the Cassian Andor series, you'll potentially get, if, 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 if this new trilogy isn't Star Wars The Old Republic, you're gonna get Star Wars The Old Republic stuff on Disney Plus, so realistically, you've got enough Star Wars content shared between this new trilogy and Disney Plus, so, for for the main characters of Poe, Finn, and Ready to come back. For new trilogies or standalone films. I think you give those characters a break after Star Wars Episode 9. But it, it, it is always fun to speculate. Anyway, that is the end of my topics. Uh, so quickly I just want to say that um, next week I will be debuting the Q&A section. On the one on the one fifty real podcast, um, so for that I've got to say, um, I've got to say, um, comment your questions down below. Comment the comment, co- comment them or DM them to our Instagram um, and twit DM them to our Twitter's and Instagram. The social media slides should be should be up right now. Um, so just co- comment comment like share subscribe the video S- subscribe to our channel comment like and share the video um, and put put post notifications on that can only be a good thing so so um so the video get, the vi- video get, gets viewed and because of the new changes to, to, to the YouTube algorithms uh, can you please engage with our content more Within the community tab, we will start using the community tab more. Also, if you want to leave qu- questions for q and A, Q&A, leave them within the community tab. I might I might open the community tab for the next week, so you guys can put the questions in there. Um, and anyway, um, so it's it's all about content engagement. So try and engage with all our content, like, share, subscribe, as I said, and comment. And yeah, um, that's been your your 150 real episode two. Um, basically, in this episode, we covered your top seven movie news feed. We covered your uh, we covered your news. um I I get um, I gave you a quick review of um, no not a quick review but I gave you a, a review of Toy Story four, and we went over the topic of. Um, Daisy Ridley's commitment to Star Wars and Star Wars' general future. We went over... We went... We went over Spider-Man. We went over the re-release Brain Game. And we we, we reviewed and previewed the box office. Um, And your main headlines being that um, Toy Story stays strong. Annabelle has an alright opening for a horror film. And yesterday... Yesterday does alright, but but I definitely think it will grow, grow. but all the hype is around Spider-Man next week, Memorial Day weekend, it will do absolutely tons. I've been Crippled too, and you've been listening to the 150 Real Podcast. Hit the outro.